Well, God bless you. We have already had church. Amen? Well, let's just add to this, this foundation of the Spirit of God moving in our hearts. We've been talking about um, the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to finish up chapter 5 today. And I don't know about you, but is the Lord working on your heart? If you've been sitting under this teaching and you've not moved, something's wrong. You need to go plug yourself up to the outlet or something. The, the God outlet, not the literal outlet. Because the Lord's trying to reach us. And, you know, all the words that were given through Larry Smith, through Elizabeth this morning, through the songs, through overcoming, through the blood of Jesus, the Lord is trying to show us Jesus is trying, to, is trying to lead us to the Father. He's trying to lead us into freedom. He's trying to lead us into the kingdom. And I don't know about you, but the Sermon on the Mount is life-changing. Starting with the Beatitudes and then going on down the line, we're now in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Have you got your Bibles out? Get your Bibles out. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Church... Jesus himself is teaching this, and he is trying with everything that he has to reach you. He's throwing everything at you to save you. He's giving you everything to make it through today. Everything. He's throwing everything but the kitchen sink at you, and he'll include that later. He is completely committed to you. God the Father is completely committed to you, but we have to receive it. We have to walk it. Do you guys mind to stand up as we read? Can we do that? Read along with me. It says, for you have said, love your neighbor. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only people, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father, in Jesus' name, we are going to hear your son Jesus speak, speak today. We offer our hearts for you to speak directly into it. And Lord, we are going to receive from your word and we are going to obey your word because we are a church that believes that your word, this word that we read, is the word of God and that it is truth and that it is coming directly from your throne. And we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves followers of Christ. Well, Jesus, we are listening to your word so that not just so that we can hear a good message, but so that we can follow. Thank you, Lord, that we will be followers of Christ in this church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's make a commitment, church. Let's turn our hearts right now. Amen. If you got your Bibles open, stay there. Let's go back to the first scripture. You, if you remember, every one of them have started this way. And you have heard it said. Remember, the Pharisees have been saying things. 
You have heard it say this and that. And then Jesus says, but the truth is this. He corrects what the Pharisees were saying. The Pharisees would take an old biblical commandment, a Bible commandment from the Old Testament, and they would distort it. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is coming back in and saying, whoop, they kind of got that wrong. It's distorted. This is a distortion of the command to love your neighbor. He said, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor. And and Jesus here is quoting a famous passage from Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 19, that says, love your neighbor. And he quotes it several times. Then he says, but the the actual, uh, don't let me get ahead of myself here. Then he says, and you were told the command to hate your enemy. Where does it say that? Go try to find that. It doesn't say it. They've made it up. They've taken God's biblical commandment, which the original commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. And they've distorted that part and just said, love your neighbor, not love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Isn't that nice? They drop one portion and they add another portion. Now, I can agree with hate your enemy. Amen. I'll amen that. But Jesus says, no. That's not what God was saying. God's saying, love your enemy. Well, wait a minute. That goes against everything in me. Jesus is saying, you have interpreted this wrong. Not to hate your enemy. Because actually, your neighbor, your enemy is your neighbor. We're going to get into that today. Because he goes on to identify who your neighbor is. I love the Lord's teaching because he teaches us. He doesn't just say something and then not back it up with instruction. How many of you have been given instruction? How many of you have read instructions and they're not complete? I hate that. I hate reading instructions and I hate it when they're wrong. Sometimes they are wrong. Most of the time they're not. We just think they are. But he starts to show us who our neighbor is. And so many times we think of our neighbor being our friend or our family or the person that lives next door door to us. And that's what the Jews thought of their neighbor. They limited it to this little sect. And Jesus says, no, your neighbor extends far beyond that. It literally extends to every human being. Even your enemy is your neighbor. How many of you, your enemy is your neighbor? (laughs) Good fences make good neighbors. That's that's the truth. But he's broadening our definition of our neighbor. And he gives us three practical ways, three practical ways to do this, to love our neighbor. We We are to love them with our words, with our deeds, and with our prayers. We are to love them with our words, with our deeds, and with our prayers. He said, number one, bless them with your words. Number two, do good to them. Give to them. Serve them. Open some doors for them. Do something actively for them. And the third thing to do is to pray. Everybody say pray. Now, in verse 45, why? Why would we do this? Why love our enemies in this way? That you may be children of your Father in heaven. Another translation says, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. 
And this is, what, this is the reason why we do this. Now, this phrase, sons of your father or children of your fathers, it means a lot. And you know, as born-again Christians, as born-again children of God, we are sons of our father. We have read that we are a child of God. It's kind of in an automatic sense and in a very real way. But Jesus here is talking about something more. Meaning that when you are sons of someone, you express the nature of that person. It's not just that you're in line for a blessing. It means that you are part of that person and part of that person is going to start to show in you. You are going to be an expression of that person. Do you follow me? We are the son of God. We are the daughter of God and we express the nature of of God. And what he's saying is if you will love this way, we will express the nature of the Father. Jesus is teaching us how to follow. He is teaching us how to be a Christ follower. A Christ follower looks like Christ. A child of God looks like God. I look like my dad. I can't help it. There is nothing I can do about it. Some things I would change, some things I wouldn't change. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you know, I believe God would say, yeah, Pastor Paul, you do look a little bit like me. Some things I would change, some things I wouldn't change. Probably a lot of things I would change. <laughs> that you may be children of your father in heaven. Not only will you be transformed in your personality, not only will you begin to take on the character and the nature of God, but to be sons of God means that you will be proof of God to unbelievers. You are the proof that there is God, that there is a God. You would express him to unbelievers. Not only would you be transformed and begin to look and be like him in your nature, you would literally begin to express him and you would be proof to unbelievers that God truly exists. And I believe that that is one of the main ways that people see God. So many times we think it's through miracles. It's not through miracles, it's through you. It's when we begin to love our enemies and somebody sees us loving our enemies with no reason to do it. There must be a catch. Well, there is. His name's Jesus Christ. There is a catch. We will begin to have our father's mannerisms. I have some of my father's mannerisms. And you know what it says? It says that he exists. Because if you know him and you know how he acts, then you see me act that way. It is a, it is a proof of his existence. Where did you get that from? I got that from my dad. And I can't get rid of it. That's huge. I want to show my father's mannerisms. And I don't, I, you know, when we have their mannerisms, we don't have to think about it. It just happens. That's huge. I believe it's one of the biggest ways we show the world God is when a believer consistently loves their enemies and people witness it. It's so unnatural. It's so unusual. Where do we get the motivation? Where do we get the power to stay with it? 
you know, sometimes when we realize that life is bigger than you. That's what Jesus means. He means that if they will see you doing this, it's so powerful, you will be the proof of his existence. It says they will know you are Christians by your love. They will see godly love through you and will know God exists. God causes the sun to rise even on his enemies. He still blesses them. Men who don't even care about God, he blesses them. And that's the realm that we see here of perfect love. It's described in 1 John chapter 4, perfect love. But as we continue on, Matthew 5 verse 46 it says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And, not even the, and are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Jesus is saying this kind of love is so unusual that it transforms, it transcends natural affection for friends and family. Even the tax collectors have natural affection for their friends and family. They love their family. That is not noteworthy. Everyone does that. Right? For the most part. Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us not to retaliate. Not to oppose the small inconveniences of the evil man. So the man insults us and this person's evil. They mean evil. They insult us. What are we supposed to do? Close our mouth and turn our cheek. Get ready for another one. Here comes another insult. Turn our cheek. Turn the other cheek. We're not saying anything back. We give them an opportunity to insult us again. We're not defensive. We don't insult back. But that's only part of the victory. That's just part of it. The victory is not complete. To get to the next level, we can't be silent. We've got to be active. The problem is our activity usually is wrong. We are to be active, not passive. We are to Bless them. You just insulted me? Okay, ding, ding, ding. I'm supposed to bless you. That is not what I would normally think, which means I have to change. I've got to change the way I think. I've got to change the way I do. Finally, the Lord says, ah, you got it. You've got to change. Say, I've got to change. Is that your first thought to bless your enemy when somebody insults you? I've got to change. I've got to change to get to the next level. That's where the power of God will transform your heart. And that leads us to the most challenging. If we haven't reached the most challenging, I'm sorry, here it comes. Most challenging right here, I believe. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is the core point. To love your enemies in these three examples. To bless them, to do good for them, and to pray for them. Three ways that we practically love our enemy. And this Matthew 44 should be branded on our heart. We should have it memorized and this should be a primary goal in our life. And you know the scripture's been sung about. There's been poems written about it. It's on posters. It's all over the place. Love your enemies. People love the concept as long as it stays on the wall. Man, they got it on the wall. Let's just leave it right there. I'm, I love this church. Love your enemies. Yeah, they'll do that. We'll leave that right there. Yes, church on the hill, you go love your enemies. Amen. I'm going to pray for you for that. But I'm going to leave that on the wall right there. People mock it, make fun of it, 
praised by some, mocked by others, but most of the time this passage is ignored. And we do not want to ignore it because it is the doorway to the supernatural lifestyle. This point is so important. This is what will lead us into the Father's nature, into literally being a son of God and being able to show it. You may have been struggling so long, Pastor, I read the scriptures, I follow his word, but there is no fruit. Right here is where the fruit starts. You start to show that you are a son and a daughter of the Father. Everybody say amen. I thought I didn't have you there for a minute, but there you are. So, I want to give you an analogy of a space shuttle or a rocket. It's like our soul has this gravitational pull on all of us. We have this downward gravitational pull on our soul, and it is from a self, and it, and it, it is from, we have inherited this mindset of being self-absorbed into being preoccupied with ourself. We inherited this from our great-great-grandfather, Adam. It's called the sin nature. It is natural to us. We all have it. You may say, oh man, I'm the only one that's got it. No, everybody. Raise your hand for a second. Yep, you got it. It says in Scripture, all have sinned. Well, I kind of fall under all. I don't know how to get out from under that, but I'm under all. As Larry came up and said, chief of sinners, nailed it. Nailed it. I'm a, I'm a sinner. I have sinned. It is due to that nature. It is due to that nature. Even born-again believers, by nature, our, our automatic gravitational pull is to process life being self-absorbed, preoccupied with ourself. It's normal. The first thing that goes through our mind is, how will this help me? Can this situation help me? How will it hurt me? How will it make me feel? Will it be hard? Will it be easy? Will I look good? Will I look bad? Will I be ignored? Will a door open for me? If it has nothing to do with me, if it has nothing good for me, I will not do it. I have that mindset. You have that mindset. We all have it. What Jesus is saying here is there's a way to break out supernaturally out of this gravitational pull. And it's like a rocket, and they have these booster rockets on the side that fire just at the right time, and those booster rockets fire to help break them out of that gravitational pull and get them out of our atmosphere. And this analogy, getting free from this gravitational pull of ourself, not being under the tyranny of our own self-absorbed way of thinking, and that this nature of the Father is available to us. But there is no way to get free of this gravitational pull without the booster rockets. And I believe Matthew 5.44 is the booster rocket to get you free of yourself. And Jesus, the master teacher who is teaching us here, he says that is the way to verse 45, to being sons of the Father, to touch the nature of the Father and transcend that little, anxious, fretful, rejection-ridden, guilty, shameful way of living your life. He wants us to be free. 
And you know, the sixth temptation that we're on, we're finally on the last temptation. We're going to go to chapter 6 next week. Is different than the other five. You may say, lust, yeah, I can get free of that. You may say, sanctity of marriage, yes, I can buy into that. Anger, yes, I can buy into that. But this one, whoa. Pastor, you don't know my enemy. This one's different. This one's what's taking us kind of in little steps to a big step to the Father, to the nature of the Father. Can you see that, church? We need to act in the opposite spirit. Say opposite spirit of what we're used to, to walk in the nature of the Father, where we don't avoid them, where we don't hide from them. I have even said I can't even be in the same room with that person. They annoy me so much. It's a common feeling. But that's where we need the booster rocket to get free, to begin to love our enemies. And it causes us to face our bitterness and our fears. And I will tell you just briefly, there are rewards in heaven for those that love their enemies that are beyond other rewards that we read in God's Word. God is a rewarder. In in chapter 6, you're going to hear me a lot. It's all about God rewarding. God loves to reward. So many times we want to reject the reward because we feel guilty. No, God is a rewarder. He wants to give. Don't reject the reward. I desire the reward. He didn't tell me it so I could reject it and feel bad for getting it. No, he, he told me it so I would desire it. So that I would look for it. Am I doing God's word? Then these rewards should be coming. Okay, that tells me, it confirms in me, I am obeying God's word. Plus, he loves me. How many of you as a father love to give gifts? I love to give gifts. I'm kind of getting animated. I'm usually not that animated, but let's. I love to give gifts. Elizabeth said, I always thumbs up. I'm not thumbs up. I'm Bill Clinton doing that. And I'm. No. God loves to pour out gifts on you. Elizabeth tells me about my mannerisms. I want godly mannerisms. Oh, that's not godly, man. That's what we make up. He rewards us. Who is our enemy? And you know, if we define our enemy too strictly, you know, he's that guy over there with the horns on his head. He's the most evil man there is. You know him? No, it's not that quite that extreme. Your enemy is your adversary. A person who is intentionally set on troubling your life. They curse you. They say negative things about you to your face, behind your back. They slander you. Even more than that, they hate you. And some of them are proud of it. And many times it is people in the kingdom. It's people in the kingdom that you've offended. And, and, and they, they think they're doing God a favor. By battling. By battling with you. And they spitefully use you on purpose. Jesus says that the adversary is your enemy. And the reason I'm using this word is so many times it's former friends in the kingdom. Where they've become offended. And they're still in the kingdom. But they have it out to let people know the truth of how bad you are. Yay. Their goal is to stop you and to block your progress. And enemies are not always friends. Sometimes they're family. 
A lot of times they're family. Immediate and extended. Sometimes it's in your marriage. Maybe it's your ex-spouse. But these enemies, they are real. They are adversaries. Maybe it's who you work with or formally work with. Someone that has it out for you. They speak evil of you every, every time they see you or hear about you. They hate you. Jesus says, identify that as opportunity. I know all of you have thought of somebody. Opposite thinking. Stop that negative thinking because I know you can think of good things to say about them. What I mean by good, I mean bad. I got the goods on them. I know you've got somebody in your mind. I do. Jesus says, opportunity. Opportunity. Using Matthew 5.44 as those booster rockets to break you out of your way of thinking. To love our enemies. We're not to hate them. But you know one good thing that he didn't say? You got to like your enemies. <laughs> you got to go on vacation with them and hold their hand and go out to eat with them. No, he doesn't say that. Hallelujah. Do you hear me? It is a mindset. We are to change our mind. The funny thing is, God will probably turn your heart back to him. But he, he's not taking us that far. He's just trying to get us to th- change our thinking. Change our thinking. He's talking about an act of your will. It's a choice that you make. When your emotions might be really negative to operate in the opposite spirit. And the exciting thing is, is that it is good news if we choose, if we plant our foot and go forward, if we bless and do good things for them and pray for them, your emotions will follow your actions. At first, your emotions are not there. Your emotions are just the opposite. It may not happen the first time. Your heart may not be transformed the first time. But as you learn to pray and to bless and to speak well of your enemy, your emotions and your heart will follow. It is melting that hard heart. It's melting our hard heart. Forget the enemy. We need God to change our heart. Change our heart to live free and to see how God sees. To see how God sees. So what does it mean to bless your enemy? How do you bless your enemy? Guys, I'm going to give you some practical things here. I'm going to try to quickly wrap up. Now get ready. Opposite thinking. Say opposite thinking. How do you bless your enemy? You affirm their virtues. Affirm their virtues. When someone is attacking you, a former friend or family member, God says, bless that person. And we say, God, I can't affirm their virtues. They don't have any. I can't think of one. What happens when we can't see any virtues and we try to walk this kingdom principle out? Do you know what we do? We start looking for them. Do you know if you go looking for good in someone, you will find it? Do you know if you go looking for bad in someone, you'll find it? You've got to look for them. You've got to look at this differently. Opposite thinking. You know what you do? You pray 
Holy Spirit, I want to see what you see. And I want to feel what you feel about that person. You know what the Lord would say? That person ravishes my heart. That person that you're having such conflict with, Jesus would say, I died for him. And I would do it again. Yes, I know he's done nasty things to you. But you're asking me, help me know how to bless them. Okay, Holy Spirit, show me what you see. Let me feel what you feel about my wife. Let me feel what you feel about my children, about my parents, about my relationships, about this enemy that I'm battling. Holy Spirit, help me to see the way that you see. Let me see what you see. A brand new way to see. Turn the cheek. Now we have to search for the virtue. This is a roadmap to freedom. And you know what? Nobody walks in this 24-7. We're not perfect. We have bad moments. But if we can begin to move in this direction, to take on godly character, of I don't, I, that I want more, we don't just bless them. We don't just bless them. We don't just uh, recognize their virtues and bless them to their face. We bless them to others. Now, I'm going to get a little deep with you for just a moment. But I believe if you'll hear me, I believe the Lord will touch your heart. What do I mean? You need to say it out loud. Do you know that God responds to the spoken word? We need to say it. Why? God says it's not enough just to turn the cheek. Sometimes that's so hard just to get it that far. Now we need to bless them out of our mouth because do you know what the, who the most influential voice in your life is? Do you know who the most influential voice in your life is? It's yours. It's your voice. Yes, your parents. Yes, your significant people in your life. Yes, there are people in your life that have very big impact on your life, but the most influential voice in your life is your own. What's coming out of your mouth? Because you know, when you speak a word, do you know what happens? It marks your spirit. Someone does something hateful to you and you start speaking negatively about that person, either to them or to your friends, you know what happens? It marks your spirit and it's hard to shake that free. We've got to say the blessings out loud. Say the blessings out loud. Next, it's not enough to say anything. We need to do good for them. Not just to people that are annoying, to people that actually hate you. Can I just say, I have people in my life that actually hate me. I know that's hard to imagine, but they do. You have people in your life that are your enemy. Do good to them. Do good to them. Jesus is trying to show you a way to liberate your soul, to break you free of this gravitational pull. And then finally, you pray for them. You want to know how to see the good in somebody. Start praying for somebody. Your heart will change. Pray for them. Pray for them. Not an hour-long prayer, a five-minute prayer. Lord, bless them. Bless their marriage. Bless their finances. Bless their job. Lord, do something great in their life. 
Not a prayer like this, Lord, bless them, but don't bless them too much because they may think that they're right and really they're wrong. And by the way, God, let them know where they're all messing up and here's where they're messing up too. God, go get them. Sick them, God, sick them. That's how we pray. No, God says, don't give me a laundry list of what they're doing wrong. God says, I'm dealing with you, not them. Bless them. Look for good. Speak good. Look for how I see them. Don't you wish your enemy would see you how God sees you? All right, we're going to get to that. Bless them. Don't overdo it. Paul quotes this verbatim as I close. This will be my last scripture. He quotes this verbatim, but then at the end, he quotes it, I believe, in verse 20. Then at the end, of, or uh, in Romans 12, he quotes Matthew 5, But then he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't become overcome by evil by the enemy person that's talking bad against you. Don't be overcome, but overcome evil with good. Paul is summarizing Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, 44. How do we overcome evil with good? How do we get, let me ask you this. How do we get overcome with evil? Do you hear this? Don't be overcome by evil, which means we can be overcome by evil. A friend of mine, a non-friend of mine, a family member comes and just insults me. And I get bitter. I get mad. I break relationship and I go the opposite direction. Not only that, I start speaking negatively against them. And listen, I've done it. I have done it. And I've marked my spirit. Now I can't hardly get free of it because all I can see is this. You know what's happened? I've been overcome by evil. My enemy's my problem, God, not me. Nope, God says, nope, you're the problem. You have been overcome by evil. I have paid every price for you to have victory over evil, but you've been overcome by it by what you have done because of what they did. Don't be overcome by evil. Do you hear me? It does not have to do with the circumstances of what the other person's doing to you. God says, you don't be overcome by evil. That evil man has overcome you. His negativity got into your heart and to your mind. Don't do that. If that's happened, it's okay. Repent. Turn. Bless. Do good. Pray for him. Turn your heart. It's not based on them. It's based on him. It's based on his instruction. Are we a Christ follower or not? Don't play a game. Quit playing a game. The door, if, if you haven't seen this coming yet, the door is going to open and these booster rockets are going to fire and you're going to get free of yourself. You're going to get free of fear. You're going to get free of bitterness. You're going to get free of anger. You're going to get free of depression. You're going to get free. What happens when you get overcome evil? Your spirit gets happy. You overcome evil by doing good. And that good is Matthew 5, Can you imagine living free of your enemies? What they think, what they say. Your sleep's affected, your marriage is affected, your relationships are affected. You don't even think the same way. You look at them through the eyes of the Lord. Perfect love. Do you get it? But on top of that, this evil that's coming at you, it says 
we may even overcome them. Meaning, many times when we do the right thing, God's going to turn their heart. We're dealing with ourselves, but let me tell you, God's bigger than that. He can overcome their evil. He can turn their heart. When we have conflict, what we do is we say, Lord, you can have it, and you can have it your way. If you change that person's heart or not, that's your deal. It's not mine. Change my heart. Help me to find their virtues. Help me to bless them. Help me to do good for them. Help me to pray for them. Church, you can do it. You can do it. Can I pray over you? I just encourage you for just a moment, just to go with me down this road for just a moment. Father, we turn our heart directly to you. Lord, show me an enemy. Just ask you to say to the Lord, show me an enemy. Now, I know someone's come to your mind. Show me an adversary. Father, we make a commitment right now to bless them with our mouth. And Lord, as you give us opportunity to do good for them. And Lord, we commit today to pray for them. I just encourage you, don't wait until later. Do it now. Father, in Jesus' name, bless that person. And it's not my place to say how to bless them. Lord, you bless them. And Holy Spirit, show me how you feel about them. So that I might can see them differently. Lord, as we walk this out, we just ask for those booster rockets to fire. That the nature of God get into our heart. And that we begin to show your existence through us, through our heart, through who we are. And that this world would see you. Change our hearts, Lord. Change our hearts, Lord. Free our hearts, Lord. Free our hearts to not go to bed angry at these enemies. To be bitter. To worry and to fear over it. We release that right now in Jesus' name and say, Jesus, you paid the price for that. You can have it. Just say, Lord Jesus, I can do this. I want to touch the nature of the Father. Would you give your heart to Jesus this morning? This may be your first time. You may have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. You can do that right where you sit. You can come up this aisle. We can pray with you. It's just an acknowledgement that we're a sinner, that we have sin in our life, and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And that we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that he died on the cross and that he arose again. Save us, Jesus. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I committed my life to the Lord, but I have turned. Church, turn back. Turn back. It's just as easy as repentance. Forgive me, Lord, for what I'm doing. I turn my heart back to you today. Would you recommit to the Lord? Maybe you have a prayer need. Maybe you have a health issue or a financial issue or a marital or a relational issue. 
whatever the issue, would you give it to God? Would you give God just two minutes? You guys stand up with me if you don't mind. Those praying, come on down. We just open this altar up to any prayer that you, any prayer need that you have. Would you give God just two minutes of your morning? Two minutes more. As we sing, I just encourage you, open up your heart.